0: Hi, I'm Camille Charrier, And I'm Monica Ainley. And you're listening to Fashion No Filter. Where we sit down with some of the lead
3: creatives, strategic thinkers, and emerging talent around us to interpret the ins and outs
0: of the fashion industry today. Join us as we set off in pursuit of the modern muse this episode. We've been lucky enough to be granted a private audience with fashion icons Laura Bailey and Caroline de Maigret. And star stylist Victoria Secrier.
3: Also, coming up on the show, all your regular segments, including Dressed for Radio, Avo on Toast, and Social Media
0: Break. And stay with us as we take a tour through the walk-in closet of French actress and fashion darling Anna Girardot. As always, the episode
3: wouldn't have been possible without our wonderful sponsors, the buzzworthy dating and now business networking app Bumble. They have helped us reach over 2 million downloads. 2 million! And we couldn't be happier to have their continued support. Thank you. This episode, we, as many who have come before us, are in search of the muse. Who is this evasive creature? What does she represent to the artist? What does she wear? Where does she go?
0: Ahem, never durst a poet touch a pen to write until his ink was tempered with love's sighs. Is that Shakespeare? Yes, love's labour's lost. I mean, we can hardly talk about the muse without turning to Will. (laughs) Or Frida Kahlo, who once said, I am my own muse, the subject I know best. In fact, there's scarcely an artist, singer, painter, or I guess in this day and age, Instagrammer in the history of creativity who hasn't put in some legwork searching for his or her own muse, is there? Hashtag when Google Maps lets you down. As Nick Cave put it, most people wait for the muse to turn up. That's terribly unreliable. I have to sit down and pursue the muse by attempting to work. So, in our
3: search for a great fashion no-filter muse... What do you know? We stumbled across four remarkable women that stood out to us and that we felt really reflect the various incarnations
0: of the fashion muse today. Before we get started and introduce you to some of fashion's favourite leading ladies, let's hash out what this abstract and granted ever so slightly pretentious term actually means. Well, The original muses were Greek goddesses to whom poets and musicians prayed for the gift of divine inspiration – but as far as we know, today, Karl Lagerfeld doesn't regularly go to church to pray for his muse of the moment to provide him with inspiration. <laughs> Still, today,
3: the muse pretty much applies to anyone who provides an artist with creative stimulus. And in the days of social media, fashion loves a muse now more than ever. I mean, as do we. Think about who you follow online. Which brings us to our first guest, Chanel Muse, model and charming English Rose, the lovely Laura Bailey who hopefully will be able to answer our first burning questions. What's in a muse? And is it nature or nurture?
0: Hi, Laura. Hi, Monica. Thank Thank you so much for joining us today. So let's start from the beginning. You're a model and muse. Can you talk to us about your career? Lots of words beginning with M and mother. And a mother. (laughs) Um.
4: Yeah, I find it really hard to talk about my career because there is nothing kind of straight line or strategic about it. You know, I never planned to be in the fashion industry. I had, you know, I was lucky to meet somebody when I was quite young, but I finished university and modelling really took me by surprise, but also gave me a chance to travel and do all the other things that I wanted to do. And I am so grateful for the modelling, but I'm also so glad that I pushed myself to do other things as I went along writing, shooting, starting off by being kind of a cheap date on trips that I could do both sides. <laughs> um, um, but um, a turning point for me kind of personally and professionally, I suppose, would be kind of moving to New York on a wing and a prayer in my 20s and just taking a big chance. And that's kind of where I feel like personally that I met made my best friends and kind of grew up properly. And also started to you know feel more confident in myself feel more just feel more in touch with what i want to do creatively and also also on the flip side also kind of feeling less guilty and apologetic about the modeling mm. and then back to london six or seven years later this is really speedy i found that all my crisscrossing lives started to connect and that has been a big thing for me that There's a side of me that loves being on my own in the middle of nowhere with my camera and there's a side of me that loves the teamwork and collaboration and high of the shoot or another creative project. And that's kind of my dual personalities. But also, as I've got older, I kind of feel like everything bounces off each other. You know, I meet somebody on a shoot that then becomes a collaborator on another project or I take uh, or I'm shooting You know, I have a role that I really value at British Vogue and I see that very much as pushing and celebrating young talent, new talent. And, you know, I'm very, I feel very privileged that my working life is so diverse Mm -hmm. and so broad and I get a real thrill from pushing other people, you know, in the sisterhood kind of way and really lucky to have so many really um, talented, very young, creative people in my life. Your style is so quintessentially English, so
3: British vogue. You're not afraid to wear colour, dresses with sneakers, bows in your hair. Tell us a little bit about how you work on that. Is that an acquired taste or are you born with it?
4: Well, i definitely not born with it. You know, I was a country girl, sport girl. Um, in the tomboy. I grew up in a village near Oxford. I've got this really weird thing which is weird in this context that kind of I've always had this thing like once you start talking about style or overanalyzing it or thinking about it too much it kind of disappears and I genuinely am the kind of person who picks something up off my floor borrows a sweatshirt from my son thinks about whether I'm going to be on my bicycle or in a you know, with a driver, my life is very extreme, very real, very glamorous occasionally. (laughs) And I like all that role play. I enjoy dressing up, but I also, I'm much more of a scruffy tomboy than anybody might think. But again, I, I think when I lived in New York and I was buying all my clothes in the flea market and Salvation Army, you know, that was kind of where I think I started to experiment and feel like you know i knew who i what i wanted to express mm. i think there's some consistency and there's also you know natural evolution with with age and experience and i'm con- i feel like i'm in constant flux i'm not somebody that's like i'm stuck in this i you know i'm inspired by people i meet all the time by films by art but back to your question Camille, i feel very very strongly connected to london and English style british style a little bit of country tweed a little bit of a sneaker and a and a dress and
2: But Comfort i change first. i'm not a
4: fr- i'm but i'm not an overanalyzer i'm not a big planner i don't mind making mistakes i don't mind you know i kind of pride myself on being very speedy out the door you know i'm not the girl that'll be you know going back checking changing whatever i'm extremely decisive for better or worse which i think is a <laughs> in some ways a strength in my working life because I make decisions very fast in terms of what I wear it just yeah it just gets me out of the door
0: <laughs> but but i expect your wardrobe has probably come a long way since your flea market days in new york um and do you keep it oh my little new york Closet is so sweet. Um, <laughs> do you keep it curated today, or are there? You would be horrified. Is it enormous? Is your... No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly not curated. Or
4: you know, I mean, like, you know, when I read those articles in magazines about you know the shoe boxes and the Polaroids and the, <laughs> and yes. the color coding, that is so so not me. You know, my I, I do have a big wardrobe. I'm totally lucky and spoiled, but it is overflowing. Needs editing. Every week, I say I'll do it next week. I'm, but I do, I do give. I kind of pride myself on giving a lot of stuff away to charity, and I, yeah. and I love giving stuff to my girlfriends, goddaughters. Um, I really love clothes having a story and being reused and being shared. <coughs> and I'm not overly precious with things. But you do organize those garage sales. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't organized them, but, but I've contributed. To yeah, them. to next yeah, time. No, my my coat is from car boot sale that we the women for women is there yeah.
0: one piece though in your wardrobe that you'll never give away
4: i think it would be my chanel little black jacket because you know i've, I've had it forever i still wear it when i'm wanting to feel that you know chanel elevation you know little kick ones. yeah i think i'll have it forever um you know i've got a daughter who's recently changed from being you know a chelsea kit wearing ragamuffin into suddenly, like, in my shoes and in my closet. So I'll definitely be keeping the Chanel for her.
3: You've told us that, um, that you work at British Vogue. What is it that's so great about the London fashion scene? Why do you... Can you tell us a little bit about your favourite designers mm. here? Why you love them?
4: Yeah, I mean, if we just look at this season, um, you know, I'm a big fan of shrimps, have been since the beginning. I think what Hannah's doing has really evolved in the last couple of seasons. And I also... I love that fashion presented in an art context. I love people doing things differently, you know, and and so I think she and Shrimps are really one to watch. I love Simone Rocha. I wore Simone Rocha last night, very gothic black, you know, I love mm. um, how that drama. makes me feel. I love the drama, the kind of literary drama of, of her um, collection. I think with London, it's a cliche, but it always comes back to the colleges, the street, the students, the music. And for me, style is so much more than fashion and magazines. And, you know, I, some of my most stylish friends are scientists and lawyers and mm. and, and journalists. So I'm, I love magazines. I love seeing what's new, but I'm not dictated by anything.
0: You know, I take inspiration from everywhere. Okay, so we have to ask this. <laughs> how how does one become an official Chanel muse? <laughs> like, maybe you can't tell us all the details, but can you talk us through the sort of general process? Or like how you met Karl?
4: Because obviously you caught his eye. Yeah, it's a long time ago now, but for a long time I was a friend and a fan. And, you know, Chanel, I won't go into detail, but but, you know, it is kind of that kind of initiation into this kind of secret club, you know, (laughs) the special club and, you know, I've had amazing experiences through my friendship with the House of Chanel, you know, from, from shoots in uh, Coco Chanel's apartment to trips to grass to see the perfuming, you know, and, and I've made a lot of, you know, Amanda Harlick and, and, you know, key Chanel collaborators have become really good friends and confidants and inspirations but, but it is, I understand that, I mean, part of me, the mystique around those relationships, you know, let's leave it that way. Why not? We'll take that. Mm-hmm. Ageism. Mm. Models are
3: getting younger and younger. Can we ask what your views are on this? Slightly disagree,
4: Camille. Um, I mm. think... Love a good disagreement.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ex-lawyer, you I, know? I I...
4: Know. <laughs> I I'm, I know what you're saying. And, you know, I'm I'm working behind the camera a lot now. You know, I've been shooting a lot of very young, not just models, but artists, actresses um, over the last month. And it's been interesting for me, the psychology of casting, you know, what I'm looking for, what I'm inspired by as a photographer. But in fashion generally, to answer your question, you know, I... I love Stella Tennant. I love Caroline de Maigre. I, you know, so I, maybe it's just my eye and my taste, but I'm very aware of models I've admired or worked alongside for a long time having strong renaissance and being celebrated for many things alongside their beauty. And I think that's very healthy. I also see a lot of um, big brands casting not obvious models and, you know, and yeah, yeah. I'm a big... Um, I think there's a lot of positive progress in terms of diversity. And I mean, across age, race, you know, across the board, it's not perfect gender at even. all. And gender. Yeah, It's great to hear that from an insider, I think. Yeah, the um, are
0: looking up. I think people are focusing more on, like,
1: dealing with this I, I think
4: show. so. I think there's a long way to go, but it's not, I think you know, the laws about, you know, about under-16s, there's new regulations about weight. I think there's, in, from the casting directors and from the magazine editors, there's a much more positive embracing mm. of, of diverse casting. And, and I think and, also social media, because people are yeah. able to comment yeah. now and, like, mm. spread
3: their yeah. views so widely. Yeah, people, I agree. People yes. can't mess up anymore when they're casting girls because the... The sort of calling out will be yeah, yes. felt much more intensely.
4: Yeah. As one we saw with more, the Battle
3: castings last season, exactly which such a
4: disaster. Exactly. One is much more exposed, and rightly so. I really believe in the transparency of all these processes.
0: And I saw last night, actually, that you posted mm-hmm. um, a quote from mm-hmm. our star from last... Mm-hmm. Episode. episode Susan on her, Surrender. On her birthday. So on yeah. her birthday. Oh, it was her birthday. Yeah. Happy, Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Susan. We love you. <laughs> we, we all love, love you. Yeah, <laughs> we really do? We all love you. Um but the quote says, I look forward to being older when what you look like becomes less and less an issue and what you are is the point. I mean she mm. really is. Yeah. She's the real deal. She's the real deal. Deal. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. I lo- your Instagram is great because it's a really diverse Set of inspirations as well I find like it's got art and photography
4: yeah I mean it, for me it's a mood board yeah. you know it's a mood board that I'd be doing in my scrapbooks on my you know in my studio and I enjoy the creative conversation on Instagram it's been a revelation to me because I consider myself an old school kind of person you know I write a lot of letters I read the newspapers but Instagram did capture my imagination. I've had amazing conversations through Instagram. I've met really fascinating people and I, I enjoy the imagery. And I think, I think it's connected to what I was saying earlier about casting and new talent and female relationships and supporting other projects. For me, it's very, I'm very keen to use that platform to, to not just be about me and my, what I'm selling or mm. what I'm doing. You mm. know, I want to, show things that I'm either interested in or that I want to support or that, you know, and I find it quite a karmic thing as well to, mm. and I think we're so lucky in so many ways in the world we work in that it's just one way to, yeah, you know, give back, whether it's to a charity or somebody that's struggling or somebody that can really, you can change somebody's life. That's quite
0: a powerful yeah, feeling. absolutely. I was just wondering... I'll, I'll, on the topic of inspiration, and you've inspired many. Is there one person, or artist, or or film, or director who is remains a constant inspiration for you? My great friend Christiane Amanpour is
4: a constant inspiration um, for her journalism, her wisdom, but her kindness and curiosity. And I'm interested in people that can work to such a at such a high pressured level of success and challenges and maintain their humanity and their kindness and their curiosity in in life she's such a great one yeah, i'm I so agree. glad you said that yeah, I'm so glad. <laughs> and you know and also i you know i'm i have a lot of amazing women in my life that aren't official mentors but i watch what they do with young women and it's so important to me as the mother of a daughter to have strong role models and that includes by the way Models, fashion writers, course, editors, but it needs to be broad, diverse, it needs to be similar. diverse, and it needs yeah. to include maths and science and art and film and, you know. And journalists on the front line like Christian Amaboor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm very lucky to have her in my life, but also in more in a fashion context, you know, I've got very old, loyal relationships with mm. amazing women like Bella Freud, like Amanda Harlick. That, You know, we've been through so many incarnations. You know, I first met Bella when she cast me in her films 20 years ago that John Malkovich was directing. That's where I met Susie Bick, now Cave, you know, that. And over the years, our films and shoots, there's collaborations, there's real friendship. And that's from the work. It's funny because we were quoting Nick Cave at the beginning of this show because he
3: had a very good quote on um, what is a muse and telling us to go and yes. find her, not sit around
4: waiting for her to arrive and just yes. get some work done. He's brilliant. I went to see him play on Saturday. It was amazing. But, you know, Susie's journey, you know, from ultimate muse... To the maker of incredible things, addresses and 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 what she's doing. I I'm aren't really they called just, Vampire's Wife? The, Susie's Vampire's Wife. You know, it's really um, I have the bag right here that I, I stole Ooh, off. Oh, familiar bag. I thought. Saw, I saw,
3: <laughs> Laura and I went to Paris uh, recently for a shoot, and she was wearing a very chic, oversized velvet burgundy bag. And I said, "Hello, where did you get that?"
4: We love the Vampire's Wife. <laughs> and today, wife. I
3: am wearing that very same bag that I went and That's got, beautiful. which is from the Vampire wife so there you go i get my inspiration from laura bailey well <laughs> yeah. i'm
4: very flattered and a big fan of susie and the vampire's wife but i think but also her journey is a, you know i there are a lot of women in my life that have you know made that crossed over from being in, in front of the camera to doing really diverse creative work and i think i'm so grateful for modeling for giving me that platform to take my pictures to tell my stories to you know to Travel with Save the Children, and and also to kind of really tune into a more business side of of fashion, which I never expected to be on that side. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm struggling to do my son's maths homework, and I'm now heavily involved in in a few big brands. But Sounds t-
0: familiar <laughs> to me.
4: <laughs> but you know, so much about the collaborations and teamwork for me is about playing to your strengths and recognizing. You know where to hand over, where to delegate and and I enjoy that conversation. I enjoy the letting go and the stepping up. But it's all quite new and evolving, which just makes it exciting.
3: Thank you so much
4: for coming and talking to us, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Monica. <laughs>
0: Since in this episode we are already talking to a wonderful array of women who we think are true muses. No fake muse. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. (laughs) We thought it would be a bit redundant to use our social media break to give you more modern muses to follow, as we're already talking to the crème de la crème. So instead, we thought we would pay homage here to a few of the originals. Yeah, because obviously we figured that you don't need us to tell
3: you that Jane Birkin, Françoise Hardy, Audrey Hepburn are and will always be iconic. But that doesn't mean we can have an episode about muses without mentioning them. So where we thought we might come in handy would be to highlight some of the best accounts to follow to continue to draw inspiration from these remarkable women, as, well, most came before the glory days of Insta-stalking, my favourite activity... (laughs)
0: So, although it does pain us to reveal the sources of our many screen grabs, here goes. Uh, My personal favorite might just be Simplicity City, which is a really beautifully curated mood board of um, mostly vintage inspiration featuring the likes of Joan Didion and Lee Rad and the late, great Carolyn Bessett Kennedy. A lot of lovely 90s shots in there. And speaking
3: of 90s, I really like at90s.coma, which is a really good um, source of inspiration from like old movies. It's often mainly movie stills, like old shots of Drew Barrymore, um, Sex and the City, who doesn't love a good Carrie Bradshaw quote,
0: um, all, of the, all of that kind of thing. You guys are honestly so lucky <laughs> we're giving you these. This one is better known. You might already follow it. But I really like the Academy in New York. They have a great combination of stills from the best movies of all time, often with incredible costumes and the best lines. And also a great deal of architecture and art, always in a series of three, which means... It flows very nicely. (laughs) And the last one I want to give you is exactly what it
3: says on the label, at Jane Birkin Daily, which provides your daily inspiration of Jane Birkin. Because Um, there are that many... Photos out there of
0: Jane Birkin, apparently.
3: And every single picture you want to live in it. She's always there with her Serge and her basket and her wonderful simplicity. So yeah, there you go. Go follow those four accounts. Have fun. And we are going to have to find more for the next time we talk to you. Next up, we caught up with stylist to the stars and, come to mention it, a bit of a style icon herself, the wonderfully outspoken Victoria Secrea.
0: We are here in Paris in a very posh hotel room Accompanied by our favourite Russian, <laughs> Miss Victoria Sekrier. Our token yes. Russian friend. <laughs> yeah. We have one. We just love hanging out in uh, hotel suites with Russians, but especially this <laughs> one. <laughs> Sounds bad. How are you today, Victoria? Um, I'm good. Good. You are a stylist to the magazines yes. and the stars. And we would like you to just explain to those who do not know, we get asked this a lot, what do stylists actually do? How would you describe your job?
5: Well, it depends really, because what I do with celebrities is I dress them for their appearances. So I help them to find appropriate look for appropriate events. And um, with the tutorial work that I do, I... I do a lot of really... I work with art magazines, so it's all kind of inspirational, you know, create an inspirational imagery about what is happening in the world, I suppose. Let's take a step back. Okay. You were a model previously.
0: Yes. Basically, tell us a little bit about your life story. You were born (laughs) in Russia. And you became a model.
5: Yeah, so I was born in Russia and I became a model. I left Russia when I was 16 and I've been modeling for about 12 years. And then I started styling. Well, I started styling whilst I was modeling. So I kind of, I wanted to work in the industry because I like the industry and I was trying to find a way to transition out of modeling and I kind of fell into styling and I got really interested in it. And so I was... Working simultaneously as a model and a stylist until I started making enough money from styling that I didn't have to uh, model anymore. So that was kind of my thing. So,
0: so you you knew you didn't really want to keep modeling, or was it?
5: No, yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, I've done it for such a long time, and I had really incredible experiences working with amazing people. I did a lot of shows, and I shot with incredible photographers and um you know and and there's i think the what i believe in is there's there's a time frame to everything mm-hmm. you know there's time there comes time where you kind of you've exhausted everything out of whatever you do and it's time to move on to the next one i didn't want to cling on to modeling and you know and do commercials and whatnot um that wasn't really stimulating to me at all and so i just felt like you know, I had to um like go into styling. It was a natural transition because I was already in the industry and yeah. Right, so you're already in the
0: industry. Did, do, do you think that you learned on the job to a certain extent?
5: Yeah, as absolutely. a model, you then can transition into being a stylist. Yeah, I mean, I never assisted anyone. So, I kind of went straight from one into another and I'm but the experiences that I had through modeling were really invaluable, you know, because you kind of in the middle of it all. You really you experience, you know. You 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 go on set and you you go through hair and the makeup and then the styling and then you go on set of the photographer. And when you are at fittings for the shows, you really there. You working with the designers and a lot of the time they kind of finalize the looks on you. You know. So like when I did Christian Dior shows under John Galliano, you know, every look was already pre-assigned to a girl and you would go to a fitting and you would literally strip off completely to your thong. And then you walk into a room where they all sit and the dresses are hung and they put you in your specific dress and then they finish it on you. Like they finalize it, you know, shorten it or lengthen it or attach extra details or detach extra details. You know, it's, it's really kind of, you you learn a lot and you those fittings are long fittings you sometimes they go on for like half an hour 45 minutes and all you do is walk back and forth and they just look at you and and uh and and make the dress on you it's really it's it's a really special kind of way to learn about in the industry
3: so we could say that you started off by being a muse to designers yourself and now you've gone on to to sort of making muses, because I mean, I, mean, I example, don't really
5: know what muse really means, to <laughs> yeah. be quite honest. Well, I mean, we're here to talk about it, but yeah. I don't really know. I think it's so specific to a certain person. Like what can be a, a muse to someone? Like, for instance, if you take someone like Jacques Mousse, like he's his upbringing is a muse to what he designs now Mm -hmm. you know like his his childhood and his grandmothers and he you know all that but not just a person i don't think you can really think of a muse as a human being it's an environment in itself and it's either brought in by a person or it's like an experience you know you may go on this incredible experience like up in the mountains and it'll blow your mind and you come back and you just completely inspired but and that's your muse for whatever period of time Mm. you know so it's a general inspiration rather than just like an icon like i think it's a no i agree with that
3: but at the same time like you do have to sort of agree that you are now working with Alicia Vikander who's one of the most Mm -hmm. famous actresses and who's regularly since like probably since you've been working with her being put on the best dress lists so there is something in it of like you 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 have (laughs) contributed a muse yeah you've contributed to make
5: someone put someone on the map in the on the style map in a way I don't think I, I wouldn't really go about thinking that I've created Alicia Vikander. I think it would be so pompous of a statement yes. to make because I think... <laughs> You're it's not a, saying that. I'm not saying <laughs> no, that. We're not saying I'm that not, no. I'm like completely not yeah, saying yeah. that. I think it's a collaborative process. And I think we really got on really well when we met and we became friends. And then we started working together and we got we're really similar in terms of aesthetics and values in life as well. And I think that really helps because like celebrity styling is something really new and not something that I ever thought I was going to get involved in. But it's really what I found is it's a really psychological thing. You have to get to know someone really well and you have to understand how they feel at a certain point, especially when they're public figures Mm -hmm. and make them the most comfortable and the most themselves at that particular moment in their lifetime. And, you know, it's like, this is the craziest thing because, you know, you have to come out and you have to smile and you have to be positive, but you may be having a really shit time or you're like, you know, you're like close friends is ill or whatever, you know, and you kind of have to shut that off and be there and do your job. So my job is to make them feel comfortable in whatever they were at the time mm-hmm. of of whatever they're, you know, doing their events or whatever.
0: Do all movie stars have stylists or do some of them dress themselves?
5: I think majority of them have stylists because especially if they're really busy and a lot of the time their press stores are, like, so demanding. It wouldn't – like, when we did – Award season with Alicia. I think I provided around 40 looks for her in the space of two months. Yeah, so imagine (laughs) doing that on.
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
5: your own plus having to like that's worse than fashion plus have to like you know promote film you're it's more it's basically Mm -hmm. just boils down to that that you just don't really have the time you know like we work on everything together it's i I would never be like okay like wear this stuff it doesn't work like that it's a collaborative process so we talk about everything and i propose things to her and multiple options and then at the end of the day it's her choice because mm. I would hate if someone forced me to wear something that I wouldn't want to. In fact, through modeling, it's happened to me before. So yeah. if anything, like I understand that more than, than anyone else, because I've been in a situation where I had to wear stuff that I didn't necessarily like. But, you know. And in this industry, we
3: also um, can see that as a stylist, you in your own right, get photographed and sort of admired for your style as well. <laughs> I mean, right. it's, no, but it's... <laughs> well, I'm not allowed to say that. Yeah. No, but it's no, true. it's, fine. It it's true. Work. I think that that's also, like, part of the process. Like, I think if people can look up to you because you're incredibly stylish and then you sort of... It trickles down.
5: I mean, yes. I think if you're presentable and you are, you know, you have a son. I mean, the way I dress... It's very uniform and I kind of don't actually have that much stuff because I hate stuff, even though my job is to work with clothes. I don't like a lot of clothes. I like have as, mu- as minimum as I can. Um And I tend to wear things that kind of... I don't have to think too much about what I wear because I have to think about other people's wardrobes. You know, I kind of tend to go for something that is a little bit more... You know, it works and it's easy for me to pack when I travel and, and I know it looks great. And yeah, it's like the chef who eats spaghetti at
0: home. Would you ever put on one of these dresses? Like when you go to a wedding, what does Victoria
3: Sector wear to a
5: wedding? (laughs) Victoria wow. Secret, I wore
3: a Louis Vuitton gown to her birthday I was
5: there oh yeah that was really nice it was fantastic ah. I did love that gown that was like I do have a gown in my wardrobe oh, no. it's like my go-to but gown it's a goth gown <laughs> it's a goth and gown. it's a goth gown with studs all over it and it's transparent so it's, it's very cool it's pretty magical I saw her dancing and <laughs> I saw her dancing in that gown it was lovely I had a great time but I don't really know because I haven't really been to a lot of weddings recently but the last one that I went to I wore a suit Suits, like a kind of a desk tipping trouser suit oh. and that was really nice yeah I'm not a floral dress fascinator kind of girl <laughs> you, <laughs> you want don't got to ask it can you imagine me <laughs> if they ask and be like get me out of here now <laughs> I would love to see that this is Victoria
0: thank you so much for speaking <laughs> to us As one of our muses this episode, of course a Parisienne muse, who you'll hear more from later, pointed out, it is simply not very interesting to discuss the details of your diet and exercise régime. Nope, much cooler to leave stuff, that kind of stuff, up to the imagination. But then, that would go against the entire point of this segment, Avocado on Toast. So, we've
3: decided to make a compromise, as people always seem to be asking muses where they get their heavenly
0: glow... We've compiled a list of the best places to get your skin done and shiny and renamed this section Cucumber on Face. <laughs> so here we go. Best places to get a facial. Well, there's Sisley on Avenue de Friedland uh, in Paris, which does a great facial. Oh, and for Londoners, it's at Claridge's. Yeah.
3: And by the way, I think we're going to compile a list of all, these, um, of all these places for you on the Instagram account because people have been complaining that they hear us saying um, these addresses and, and then can't quite figure out where they are. So look out for that. It's coming your way. Um, back to the facials. Fair for Sal in Warren Muse is, um, is a great one. Fritz Rovia.
0: London, England. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and face place at Alex Eagle. You may have seen Kemi testing this out on Instagram stories. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter Mask. It's
3: great. It injects loads of moisture into your face, even though you look a little bit like a serial killer while it's happening.
0: (laughs) 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 Also, shout out to Clinique for keeping me hypoallergenic and glossy. And speaking of glossy, big shout out to Glossier as well whose packaging and branding is as effective as their products. Yeah, and they're launching in the UK this week, so we thought
3: we would give them a little hello, welcome, we're happy to have you here. And one last thing I want to say, just because we had Laura Bailey in here earlier, and I know that we have the same colorist, so I'm going to reveal the secret for the blonde locks. Josh Wood, the atelier that he has in London, just behind Holland Park Station, is literally the best place to get your hair done in the world. And there you go. I'm subjective, but that's how I feel. I've been getting my hair done there for five years. And it looks magnificent. Monica doesn't dye her hair, so she doesn't have an opinion on this. But there you go. Thank you. Next up, Dress for Radio has gone live again, and we met Anna Girardot, the French actress, who took us for an exclusive tour of her walk-in wardrobe and told us her theories on the relationship between fashion
0: and cinema. Hi guys, so we're coming to the end of Paris Fashion Week, and as you can probably hear, my voice has seen better days. We're all a little bit tired. We're tired and happy today because we are inside the lovely Parisian apartment of Mademoiselle Anna Girardot. Oh, well, hello! She's a wonderful actress. She's a muse to many creatives.
6: I've always, always, always uh, compare actresses, couture, fashion and style all yeah. together for me. Like for you, they go hand in hand? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like this morning was at Givenchy, yeah. a fashion show. Yes. It was amazing. Super happy to follow Claire uh-huh. Watkaller and and see what she was doing with Givenchy. But for me, Givenchy goes with Hubert, and Hubert goes with Audrey. Yes, Burn and being there was for me a dream come true and actually we had right so when the, you're watching a Givenchy show you're thinking of Audrey Hepburn of course but you know what they did at the end of the show you had all those guys they would give you a coffee and a croissant in the back like yeah. like breakfast at Tiffany's That's and you're so like sweet. oh thank you so much That's I'm amazing. so happy I came
0: <laughs> so we are interviewing a few muses this episode but um we haven't gotten the chance to come inside of all of their walk-in wardrobes. But that's where we are right now. Yes, we are. She's Anna. And um, Anna is going to give us an exclusive tour some of the favorite uh, pieces in her wardrobe.
6: Of course.
0: Welcome to my crib. So Anna, if you were to pick your three star pieces.
6: Okay, so that would be like the masterpiece. That is an hermes vintage vintage birkin Birkin
0: bag, yes, in black in black, and me. it's beautiful and it's kind of like perfectly beat up, so it doesn't
6: look too of course I bit in I beat him up <laughs> <night. laughs> and have this casual look, but that yeah that would be i I was hoping to wait maybe until I was forty mm-hmm. to buy this kind of bag with my boyfriend he's um well, he doesn't get it. He moves fast. <laughs> oh. um, what would be piece number two? Here we have the jackets and the shirts. Yes. And there is a lot, a lot of, of them. You know that. Ooh. Admi's. Yes. A smoking. Admi's smoking, always a very good classic to have in your wild world. Yeah. Um, In black, is it black or navy? It's navy. Yeah. I I I, I prefer navy. What did? What have you worn it to? To like, what would you wear that to? I would wear that to any, actually, occasion. Yeah. Because I would wear it with sneaker if I want a very casual look. Yeah. And I would wear a beautiful heels or like jewelry heels. Yeah. Um, like the Roger Vivier over there. That mm. like. Um, sparkly, yes, we've
0: decided to call that jewelry
6: sugary jewelry jewelry, oh, <laughs> I love it. It's my jewelry.
0: It's magnificent
6: it's like uh, uh, in my shoes, I have a lot of options um yes,
1: I can see that you
6: can see, but I always wear like two of them, mm. and then i I speak with all of them every day, so yeah, I, I come with a new piece, a new pair. I arrive here, I'm like, okay girl, say hello. This is a new pair of shoes. <laughs> and everybody has to like say hello and Do some
0: of them do they all get along or are some of them a bit jealous of the new ones? They are like some jealousy
6: problem, but you know, all the stars, they cannot live together long. That's but I like, yes, that's my last Ooh. birthday gift. I would really love them.
0: Some beautiful studded Gucci mules. Wow. Or oh, they're not mules, actually. They're flats. No, they're flats. And they've got gold studs all over them and crisscross mm. straps. My God, those are cool.
6: That's cool, no? Yeah. And um, my favorite pair is actually, I think, a Zara pair. Okay. Like, I have a lot of very nice couture um, shoes, but it feels like Zara are the only one who knows that it hurts to wear heels. Yeah. They kind of adapt to us. And is there one more
0: piece where if I were sending you to a desert island, you would have to bring them with you? Actually,
6: that would be this... um, I'm sorry, it's Topshop. But it's actually this... Never apologize for Topshop. Yes, true. Look, it goes to the dressing. Yeah. To the pressing, sorry. It's being treated like... A princess. Of course. <laughs> because it's the... I, I think this jumpsuit is, has a perfect cut. So um, it's navy blue. It comes in at the waist. It crosses at the front so that you have a little bit of décolleté. Exactly. But not too much. Not too much. And you have this belt. So it's it's casual and um, also very good for night outfits. And actually, I have to tell you a secret. It's when I've I've done my... I did my... Um, collaboration with Pablo. Mm -hmm. The jumpsuit we did in velvet. Ah. Which is kind of really, really, really cool. I love it. I really asked them to cut the, um, the waist and the, the back. Exactly. Yes, because for jump, what I hate in jumpsuit is when it feels like the, back the crotch is like hanging down yes it's (laughs) not a
0: great look
6: not a great look so i said okay well you have to do the same
0: and there it is yes a very very loose update on your classic navy blue one this is in sort of crushed green velvet
6: well the green is only for me actually because we're selling the blue navy you're selling the navy blue i love
0: it but this one yeah we're going to talk more about your pablo collaboration later This is the one that you were wearing in that photo where you're sitting on the bed, right?
6: Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. So, yeah, I really, like, that's the thing. I was like, I want the same ass. (laughs) then this one. There's nothing like the feeling of having a great ass. Oh, but it's it's terrible when you have something. It's a jumpsuit. It's like the entire silhouette. So if if the back is not good, then no. You have to trust your clothes, you know?
0: Silhouette is a really important part of... Everything. Yeah. Of course. Spoken like a true French woman. Uh, But it's true. It's true. Okay, well, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Anna Giardo's Desert Island
6: clothes. Oh, and I forgot my, uh, of course, my Miss uh, Michelle uh, Michel hat. Ah. I have like... For when you're them. hiding from the paparazzi. Of course, even if I have to hide from the sun yes. on a desert island, yes. I have to protect my skin. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> then I have to wear my super nice Miss Michelle hat. Brilliant. Yeah, I have like six of them now. I'm gonna become this woman with a lot of hats like my grandma. Oh, really? Does your grandmother wear a lot of hats? That's why I love hats. She I has haven't. like a collection of maybe 50 of them. Wow. Anna. Yes.
2: Thank Monica. you so much oh, for you speaking welcome. to me
0: and letting me into your beautiful life oh, for a few
5: minutes.
3: Merci, Anna. Thank you so much for sharing your closet. We hope your shoes are okay. It's time now for the birds and the bees in partnership with Bumble. And obviously, since Monica got engaged, it was getting a little tricky to explain to her fiancé why she was still using a dating app.
0: Well, actually, I've been using it because Bumble's got a new trick up its sleeve and recently launched, we like to think for our own personal benefit, although you will be able to get great use out of it too, Bumble Biz. Yes, Bumble Biz. Biz takes away the hypersexualization of that gesture
3: we have of swiping left or right, and instead of applying it to dating, applies
0: it instead to building a solid network perfectly tailored to you and your work. But fear not, the feminist ethos still remains, with women only being able to make the first move tried and tested by yours truly as that's how we got our driver for Paris Fashion Week Shout out to the amazing Chaker and huge thank
3: you to Bumblebiz. it was a really really massive help Thank you
0: Next up we have French model and street fashion icon Caroline de Maigret
3: So we're here in Le Café de la Poste with the wonderful Caroline de Maigret who's agreed to meet us amongst the very busy meetings, I think, with Chanel, who she works with, as we all know. Caroline, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You embody La Parisienne, how she's perceived by millions around the world. I mean, I, I should probably say for our listeners that you are wearing really cool jeans, probably Levi's, I don't know. Yeah. White lace-up sneakers, not a color, perfectly white, and a white T-shirt, rolled up sleeves, clearly not box-fresh.
7: I'm such a cliche
5: of
3: myself. (laughs) Simple, stylish, nonchalant. Is it nurture or nature? Were you always like this? Is it something that you've developed over time? Does it come from your family?
7: Yeah, I've always been like this. I think, first of all, when you live in a city like Paris, you have to cover yourself anyway. (laughs) You have to protect yourself from men. I've always been like this. I have the chance of being really tall. So it gives a balance. I don't have to do too much and you see me. So it's quite an advantage. Have clothes always been an interest of yours? Not at all. I love image. I love beautiful things. I love women. Uh, so that's what I love about fashion. I love the joy that fashion brings in your everyday life. But no, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I, I dress the same way mostly every day, more yeah. or less. Yeah, I feel I feel the
3: same. I always I always say to people that fashion was an acquired taste. It wasn't something I grew up with. It's something that happened over time as I grew older. Um, Why do you think that the world still to this day is so obsessed with French women and the way they dress?
7: I think French women have this freedom within the way, you know, they refer themselves to people. That's very attractive and I think any kind of freedom is attractive. So the fact that that woman that you're meeting is okay with having her hair kind of loose and free, and and that she's taking care of herself, but at the same time you can feel that she has a life, is very exciting. So I think it's more of a way of living that's behind the Parisian than just her clothes. You have been amused for Carl like I felt for
3: many years now. Um, mm-hmm. How did that relationship come about? Where did you meet him? How how you, how you do you work together?
7: So I met Carl Lagerfeld when I started modeling in the 90s, mid-90s. Um, I went for a casting and right away, you know, his team asked me if I could stay for three weeks before the show so that they could, you know, do the, the collection on me, Miss Carl. Wow. So um, that was really fun and you know, intense to be with, right away, with that man learning so much. And then I did a lot of these shows, but I was doing, you know, I was working for all the other shows as well, with Vuitton, Balenciaga, everyone else. Then I stopped modeling, I did my music production. Mm-hmm. And one day, uh, the Jalouse team asked me if I wanted to have a truck uh, outside of the shows to talk music to, um, to the fashion crowd. Wow. So I thought it was cool, so I said yes. And I managed to have Carl Lagerfeld to come in my fucked up truck. Wow. <laughs> and he agreed and his team gave me 15 minutes, I think, and he stayed for 40. Uh, and we had a blast talking about you know, life and his childhood and then, and then three days later I received a phone call. So I was like 37 years old and I received a phone call saying, Hey, Carl wants you to walk in his show. You know, would you be willing to do that next week? You know, and I was like, oh wow! And I had not thought about coming back, you know, into fashion and stuff. So I just, of course, did it. And then it was the time where I think it was time in fashion for a new era of women. It was time, I think, for women were ready to have. Uh, women that tell them stories, that have a background, that have a life behind, and I think, you know, we're all more aware of everything right now, and and, and so Cal was right on time, and he wanted to have, you know, older women, and women who do things in their lives. Yeah, he was at the forefront of that. It's true that I do, I mean, we in this episode, we're obviously
3: talking about muses, and what makes a muse a modern muse nowadays and and the interesting thing is that obviously when you when you work in fashion you see all these really young girls who are very beautiful and often look good in things because they look good in anything but wouldn't you agree that to be a muse you almost have to have the experience the confidence to build your taste to build all these things so it only comes later on in life i'm
7: not sure i'm not sure about that i think i think if you're young girl, but you're very curious. Mm-hmm. You're a very exciting muse as well. I think what's inspiring to others is when you're when you're curious and when you learn things. And I think you know, might it be the arts or um, medieval poetry or um, soccer, whatever it is, it's just fun to have people that are curious and excited around you. And I think it's any age. Yeah. Of course, when you age, you have. You learn things so you have even more things to tell and you, you know, you've read more, you've watched more movies. Mm-hmm. So all of this, so yes, I guess you, know, you have even more luggage to bring but I think every age has their own... Uh...
3: No, this is, this is so true. And um, speaking of uh, long-term relationships, you seem to have a very long relationship with your bangs, who I think I read somewhere that it's been over 10 years. Do you think that to have this essence of yourself, you really have to just get to know know yourself? on oh my bangs. Yes. I thought
7: it was like a slang for my boyfriend. No, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Because I've been dating for 13 years, so I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting uh, that's question." A, yeah, yes, Ben, actually, was here. quite vulgar. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I don't think I'm cool enough to use a
3: sl- like like English slang like that. <laughs> no, it meant your hair. Your hair, obviously, is such a
7: huge part. Okay, of, of You know who what you are. we know what my hair is about. Is I had it cut one day for a campaign. You know, someone cut it uh, ten years ago and um, suddenly I felt very like me, like there was this rock and roll side of it that was really cool. And also, as I'm aging, it it hides most of my wrinkles. (laughs) I read that you said that somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, it was like my natural buttocks. Great. And also what I've realized is every time I let it grow, I realized that I'm less stylish, like I can't actually have jeans and a t-shirt and no bangs. If I do, I'm I'm just very normal and you can't really see me. So it does help my laziness to have (laughs) bangs. It gives like a little structure.
3: You, You use the word laziness and I love that because one of the things that I find the most ironic is that the word effortless does not exist in France in French vocabulary effortless sans effort it's not it doesn't mean the same thing and yet it's the word that defines all of us um, all
7: Parisians they always... you know I always say when people tell me about how effortless I am I take I always say it takes a lot of effort to be effortless and it's a lifetime achievement I concur. <laughs> you know what I mean it's it's you learn with time that white fits your skin for example as far as I'm concerned I know that you know I have more compliments those days. So, okay, so white fits. Um, then I know that with my hips, I like to have wider pants. So, oh, okay, I have, so I'll just wear always those pants. And then I'll just know with my body, with uh, the color of my skin, with uh, anything, I know what fits me now. And I know how good I feel when I walk down the street that I'm okay with myself with all those details. So now it's effortless. Now I just take anything in my wardrobe rod and I know how to put it together and if I if I include a new piece, I'll mix it with what I already have. You know, so it's so it is effortless now. I I learn how to listen to people's to reactions, only the good ones. <laughs> and um, and and it works. Cherish our imperfections, I think, is the way. I have oh, a very looks.
3: good trick to get dressed up. Tell us, please. Yes. Tell us a very good trick to get dressed up. Everybody yeah. will want to
7: know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, mm-hmm. you s- you look at your eyes, mm-hmm. and so there is something that becomes subjective suddenly. It's you're actually looking at yourself tired. You're looking at yourself maybe that day you're sad. Maybe you know he didn't call back. Maybe. <laughs> You know, so true. <laughs> and, and, so, and so you see all this when you're in the mirror. And, and so I was like, okay, I have to find a way of just looking at myself as a model in a magazine. So what I do is I, I, I make a total abstraction of my face when I look in the mirror. And I just look from the neck to, to the, the feet. Yeah, and then suddenly you become like that person that looks at another woman in the streets. So you're like, oh, I would put a belt. Oh, I should put the sleeves up oh you know I, I should add some colour and it's funny because you have no more relationships to your inner persona and that's much easier to, um, to just style yourself I
3: think that's such a great tip especially during fashion month when everybody's so tired um, it's a and great t- it's a great tip and also probably not to be so hard on ourselves because I yeah. think everybody does it to, to themselves yeah We've seen you being very funny and acting the stereotypical French woman in a number of funny little videos along, around the internet. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you if you think that these clichés are true and whether you think that you are the cliché of a
7: French... I mean, cliche, I use the word nicely, obviously. I'm fine. I love clichés. It's fine. You love clichés? Yeah, I think they're nice. I think they're nice too. I think they're, they're, nice I think they're funny and, and, and I love making fun of myself. Um, I think there are some clichés where I don't relate to about, like, complaining or this kind of clichés where I probably did in my younger years, but I'm not that woman anymore. But the clichés of effortless, the clichés of... I don't know. What are the clichés? It could be the well clichés. like. For instance, clichés,
3: French women don't go to the gym. French women oh, yeah. don't get fat. Yeah. <laughs>
7: they
3: eat bread, they don't okay, get no. fat. So
7: those clichés, yeah, those are, those are not true. <laughs> it's just, you know why? Ladies and gentlemen, they <laughs> are not true. No, but gym, diet, all this is not interesting. Yeah. And, and I don't want you to tell me that you went to the gym this morning. I don't want you to tell me that you had a salad for lunch. no one needs to know. And I don't want you to tell me, and I don't want any friend of mine <laughs> to tell me about it, so I think it's more about keeping a mystery on things that are intimate that are no one's business that'm not really interesting, and just and talk about other things that are more interesting and I think that's part of the French woman woman's mystery it's is to decide you know to make your, your your life kind of like a movie, you know, and you just talk about fun stuff that happened to you and or sad stuff, and and it's being French is also about being okay with not being perfect, being okay with meeting someone and say, oh, I'm having a shit day, um, you know, because that's what happens in life. You have good days, you have shit days, you have, um, and it's about being okay with all this. One last question for you: You are muse, and you've been a muse for.
3: Hundreds of people around the world, including myself, very long time. Thank you. And I want to know um, where does Amuse get her inspiration from? Who does she look up to? Where does
7: she where does she seek her inspiration? <laughs> um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm very um, into you know the arts and exhibitions and music and movies. But more than that, what really inspires me is specificity. I love. Someone that's very specific into their own. I love nerds, <laughs> and I think for me that's the most graceful, th- graceful thing. Maybe um, you know you're a nerd of Elvis, and you know everything You know what I mean? I yeah. love, and I think what's interesting in life is not the general. It's the is the little detail on something and, and and to scratch you know on something that you like and if you love a movie well, then you go and see maybe all the movies of that director or maybe of that actor that you thought. I don't know you know what I mean yes to I know search exactly what you mean a bit deeper and I think that's when you get interesting and and I think as well it's very connected to um, to style icons in general I think it's people that are so interested in other things that you don't need anymore you're not interested anymore so much into what you're wearing it just needs to translate who you are and I think that's really the true style it's, it's that it's, you know. and if you look at style icons why are they style icons? it's because you know without their face who they are like if you have a blind test of just, of just the outfit you would know more or less who is who Course. you know there, there were uniforms at the, yeah, end yeah. Of the day that's it. It's, it. it is the idea of a uniform yeah and i think you know and i think that's i mean we're so lucky to to have such amazing and it's you know it's affordable to everyone its free culture is you know i mean we have internet to um, to read and watch movies and all this and know
3: no, it's so true and I think what you were saying about specificity is, is incredibly interesting because I agree with you. I think it's only when you get to the heart of things that things suddenly
7: start to make sense. And but it's, it's actually men that taught me that. All the boyfriends I've had were nerds in something. It's a very, there are lots of women like that, but it's a very boy thing as well to be you know, a nerd on Star Trek or... <laughs> or yeah. or, or um, cars or, or, or surfing yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But being a nerd, you know, know it... Know better than just you know, you, you know I'm not interested in, in small talk no and in a way we, can, we could argue that
3: you're a sort of jeans and a white t-shirt nerd you know exactly who makes the best white
7: t-shirt who makes the best pair of jeans yeah but now that I know I'm not interested anymore <laughs> thank you so much thank for talking you. to us thank you it was fun
0: It is so nice to hear how down-to-earth Caroline is, honestly. I love the idea of finding something that makes you stand out because you know more about it than anyone else does. And after spending this episode searching for the muse, the general consensus is that being a modern-day fashion muse is about so much more than the latest trend or item of clothing.
3: Yeah, muse flash. We found that the women we spoke to almost all had a uniform so that the clothes they wear are just an afterthought. They have much more
0: important things in their lives to think about. Which leads us neatly into the subject of our next episode, sustainability. Because, as we've learned, you do not need to be a slave to consumerism and fast fashion to be stylish. Yep, food for thought. Until next time. Thank you to all of our guests on the show today. Laura Bailey, Victoria Secria, Anna Girardot, and Caroline De Maigret. And to our sponsors, Bumble. And as always, our brilliant producers, Sam Fry.
1: Hold up.